0: Well, good afternoon, folk, and welcome to this Wednesday afternoon's Looking Up radio program with uh, myself, Danny Malenkov, and my good friend and buddy in my co-host seat, Peter Watts. Welcome.
1: Hello, Danny. How you going, mate? I it's am praising
0: the Lord, praising the Lord. It's such a wonderful day here. I don't know where you are right now, but we are here just outside of Newcastle. After the flood. Oh, after the flood, indeed. And there's not quite a rainbow out there, but there's plenty of sunshine. There are a few clouds. It's literally a glorious day here. Glorious afternoon here in Newcastle. So It looks, um, very,
1: looks very peaceful, Danny. It's hard to imagine that there's any trauma in the world when you look out on that.
0: Yes, I know. If, I, if, we, if, only, if only that would be an indication of where the world was at, it would be a different place. But as we know, um, things are very different. And today... In case you're tuning in for the very first time, we want to give you a big warm welcome on Looking Up and we're really glad that you could join us. And today's a very special program once again. We are today digging deep into Bible prophecy as we seek to unpack the relevance of Bible prophecy in connection with the coronavirus, COVID-19 and just everything that's going on in the world right now. There's a whole bunch of things going on in the world right now, 2020 is certainly shaping up to be a huge um, year when it comes to world events.
1: It's a record breaker.
0: It is. It is. It's unprecedented. That word, we we keep hearing it over and over again. That's probably going to be the word of the year this year. So anyway, today we are diving into examining what the Bible has to say about the greatest superpower on the planet right now and probably the greatest superpower in all of human history, and that is the United States of America. So if you have wondered whether the United States of America has got anything to do with Bible prophecy, today we're going to unpack that. So you may be wondering, what, where, how? Well, we're going to unpack that as we go along. So just stay tuned. So if you've got a friend or an enemy, it matters not, give them a call, send them a text, and encourage them to listen in over the next couple of hours. And you're going to hear stuff that's just going to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. All right, now if you want to, if you want to call in um, with a question or a comment, I'll give you the number. Or if you want to text in your question, 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And just a reminder, at the end of our program, once again, we'll be having a giveaway. Isn't that right, Pete?
1: That is true. We're going to have a free giveaway, and we'll tell you about that towards the end of the program.
0: Fantastic. So if you've missed any of our programs, go to the Faith FM website and there on the podcast section, looking up, you'll see Danny Malenkov, Peter Watson. You can catch up on all the previous episodes. Well, we're about to move into some beautiful music and we're going to be listening to Jaden Lavick, Amazing Grace. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome back to Faith FM and looking up and I hope you enjoyed that last beautiful song from Jason Lavick amazing grace isn't that a beautiful hymn Amazing grace Pete?
1: I love the words actually I think uh, when it's interesting though I've, I've uh, seen and heard that performed on many many occasions as i'm sure many of our listeners have too and uh, you know sometimes they'll they'll have people sing it who are obviously you know well known. You know, professional singers and so forth, and then I've also heard it sung by people who um, are, you know, ordinary Christians. Although there are no ordinary Christians, of course. But the point is that um, sometimes you hear it where it's very well, what's the word? Well produced, okay, in terms of a vocal performance. Um, but the probably the most moving time I've ever heard that song sung was a. Um, uh, uh, I think it was a Chinese guy who sang it who was not the best singer in the world but the feeling in his voice the, the, the body language and the expression on his face brought you to tears because you knew that he meant what he was singing mm. and that to me that song that, it, always, it always gets me in that first verse how, Amazing Grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and you could only really sing that line when you understand, I guess, what God has done for you and where you've come from in terms of your wretchedness mm. and his holiness. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it just it's a beautiful, uh, yeah, it's a classic.
0: It is. For me, Peter, um, we were there together uh, back in 2010. You may have been there on other occasions, but it was... A first for me in the church where John Newton pastored. Remember, we visited uh, the church. um, Was it Only? Only? Only. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think you're right. I'm not sure if that's exactly the the, the name of the town. But anyway, could be. You
1: know, I'd forgotten about that. I'm glad you reminded
0: me. We were there and I remember singing Amazing Grace with a male group. Uh, of ministers from all over the South Pacific. There's about forty of us there. Forty-two you know. of us. Yeah, there was a couple of ladies there yeah. as well, but the majority were were you know men and those rich and a number of South Islanders Pacific with voices. voices oh, yeah. I remember singing the acoustics and yeah. singing Amazing Grace. Yeah. I just wish we had smartphones back then <laughs> 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 to record that. That would have been something. Uh, but yeah, beautiful song and um, so beautiful song. Amazing grace, how sweet the how sweet thou art! All right, well, Peter, um, this week has once again whizzed by, zoomed by, zoomed by. Indeed, no in, pun intended. No pun intended. Um, what did you get up to? Anything significant this week uh, that really just yeah brought brought joy to your heart in ministry?
1: Well, I was doing a uh, well a couple of things, I suppose. I was doing a great uh, Bible study with um, a, a guy who, um, yeah. Obviously needs the Lord in his life, and what's beautiful is he knows he needs the Lord in his life, and he wants to get closer to God. And so that was a beautiful um, opportunity. I've been studying with him for a little bit, um, a little while, and uh, it just it's nice to because we we invite him over to our place as well, and it was just a, an enjoyable experience to have that Bible study this week. And I look forward to seeing him again. But actually, today was interesting. I went to visit a, a friend of mine who's uh, only a hundred years old. And uh, and um, it was just terrific to to chat to her. I, I always say to her, I come to visit her, so I get a, because I get a lift. So <laughs> so she's an inspiration. And um, no, it was lovely to uh, to chat with her. So a shout out
0: to Alma. Mm. I miss Alma Coombs. That's the one. Yeah, no, she's just a legend. She's she is she, great and Just and her mind is so sharp. Yeah. I mean, she's just sharp as a
1: tack. And, and- it sort of reminds you too, because. Uh, you know, don't want to give away to our listeners how old I am. But um, I'm over 25, yeah. but I'm certainly under
0: 100. He's, he's getting <laughs> close to that pension age, getting close to the pension age. Not quite, he's, not quite. He's got his seniors card no, don't that you. came in Live the mail in last dreamland, week. Living in
1: dreamland. <laughs> but, you know, it's sort of, there is so much to learn from people who've lived mm. that much life and who um, have, you know, got a lot to share in terms of their experience and their walk with the Lord.
0: That's amazing. So, so Elma, she's um, her life basically is bookended by the two great big pandemics of the last century, because uh, the 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 big pandemic before this one was in 1919. So oh, yeah. she was she was literally born what that's 1920, right. yeah. um, and now she's living through a second one. So it's quite amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, for me, um, likewise, I had the opportunity this week, just yesterday, uh, to connect with a young man. And he is looking to yeah draw near to the Lord. He grew up in a Christian home, in a Seventh Day Adventist Christian home, but um, wandered away. But hearing him share his story with me yesterday was just so encouraging. He he just wants to reconnect with the Lord. He realizes that you know going it alone, you know living life according to his own GPS hasn't worked out very well, and he wants to follow the Lord. And he. And he wants to see what the Lord can do in his life. And so he's back to reading his Bible, back to praying, asking me, you know, how do I connect with the Lord, give me a few tips. And that's music to my ears. This is a young guy like in his early early 20s. Um and he's he's really wanting to yeah connect with the Lord. He's gone through a bit of a rough experience in a relationship, and this has really brought him to the point where he's seeking the Lord.
1: I always, you know, I always say, Danny, that uh, I try to tell people God's wis- my Peter's wisdom is no match for God's wisdom, mm. and you know, many a year I tried to live on Peter's wisdom, and um, yeah, I, I think that one of the things I like to tell people is God knows what He's talking about. You know, we tend to think that, you know, we need God for some things and then I can handle the rest. Um, But I also, you know, I guess as years roll by and as you walk, you know, we we spend a lot of years in our life with the trial and error method. Um, But I think that uh, it's a great Thing when a person comes to the place where they know they need the Lord and they're willing to let Him in.
2: Mm,
0: absolutely, and and I had um and I had one a a young guy who's um, working with me there at the church where I pastor, the Hillview Seventh Adventist Church, and he shared his testimony. Um, young guy called well, not 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 so so young, but not not too old, sort of in his thirties or so, um, McCurry, and he shared his testimony. Very very powerful testimony from where he was. Um, to where he is today and yeah just a a powerful testimony of what god can do
1: i'll tell you something else i was doing um just last night is i have a zoom series that we're sharing with the group um which is is god for For real and last night was our fourth episode and um people can find these by the way at isgodforreal.com.au and so they can tune into those first four episodes and um Last night we were talking about the subject, why so much suffering? Mm. And it's, uh, you know, we mentioned last night that, you know, that is really, in a nutshell, that's the number one question that people ask, whether they're believers or whether they're skeptics. You know, people want to know if there's a God of love in the universe, why is there so much suffering? So we unpack that um, a little bit. And, uh, yeah, in that that episode, I, I suggest that there are three main reasons why there's so much suffering. And so if people were interested in that, they could go to isgodforreal.com.au, click on the videos and they'll find the first four presentations there. But last night's was, uh, you know, why so much suffering? And uh, I think that it's an important topic for, for everybody to understand. I don't deal with, obviously, there, are, there will be people who think, I, you know, why did this happen to me or why didn't this happen to me? um and you you'll never be able to answer everybody's individual question on that, and some of those answers we won't know till we get to heaven and we you know we talk to God in eternity, but there are some general principles I think mm. that the the Bible gives us as to why so much suffering and i I, I sort of suggest there are three answers to why so much suffering, and uh, people could can check that out
0: mm, fantastic, and that's probably a uh, a, a subject that would be well worth unpacking here on looking yeah. up one yeah. of these days. I think we'll need to look at that because that is a very important and subject. it would
1: be good because we would need the time, we would yeah. need the show to be able to pull that one apart a little bit. Absolutely. Because um, it is a deep topic and um, yeah, so people want to check that out, isgodforreal.com.au. Mm,
0: indeed, indeed. Now, as I shared earlier at the beginning and if you've just tuned in, um, you may not um, have heard. Where we're going today on looking up today, we're going to unpack um, the the United States in Bible prophecy is our subject for today and the end time implications and especially as they relate to COVID-19 and it's interesting that the United States of America hasn't fared too well when it comes to coronavirus they i think they are the leading I think they top the list they top the list in in cases and i believe and understand even the deaths from covid-19 so we're going to be taking a look at the, what the bible has to say on this subject from the book of revelation but before that we've got a few minutes before we move to some music and then a news break so in case you're joining us um, we don't want you to be completely in the deep end. We do want to give you a little bit of recap over these next few got minutes. Some
1: swimming lessons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Before we go to our break. Um, so, Peter, do you want to fill us in? Sure. Firstly, the big question is: like, what on earth has uh, the Book of Daniel, the Book of Revelation, have to do with COVID nineteen? We started off with COVID nineteen, yep. and now we're plunging into Daniel and Revelation. What's, what's the it connection? All about? Yeah. What's the connection?
1: Absolutely. Okay. So, I think that. Um, there are certain events that occur in the world over time that make people sit up, stop and sit up and take notice, right? In fact, we mentioned in our first episode um, where we had Newsweek magazine and say coronavirus is a wake-up call, right? Mm. And there yep. are certain events that happen in the world that become a wake-up call. And we've talked about them before. 9-11 was a wake-up call. The global financial uh, you know uh, crisis. crisis. Yep was a wake up call pandemic is a wake up call, in other words, it kind of gets people 's attention and say, Where actually is the world headed? where uh, is my future going? where is the con- country going? where is the world going uh, what 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 is there in the future for my children for my grandchildren you know uh, people we 're told on the news on regularly and certainly in um, in terms of, you know, when you get the financial report at the end of a news bulletin or whatever, and it will say, uh, we're certainly living in uncertain times. Well, that's been since the GFC, and that was Mm. 2008. So, you know, for 12 years, we've been living in uncertain times from a financial point of view. And, of course, now, nobody really knows where we'll be this time next year, you know, in terms of the coronavirus Pandemic. So, what the coronavirus pandemic has done is it it has provided another wake up call for people to take stock, assess, pause, and say, what is life about? What what is where is the world actually headed? And so, we uh, decided in this series, looking up um, in this afternoon program, that we would look at what does the coronavirus tell us about where the world is headed. And how does that segue into what the Bible tells us about the end of the world? And we looked at, indeed, that pestilence was one of the signs of the times that Jesus talked about that would be prevalent just before his return. And he mentions it right there in Matthew and in other places as well. And of course, we talked about a number of other signs. That's not the only one, but that's the one that's making all the headlines mm. right now. Um, and so what we've done is in this series, if we, we've we looked at the implications um, of the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, on um, the signs of the times, on health, on the economy, on the environment. And then we've looked at some of the, what, what are the impact of that in terms of uh, religious faith? And so we've talked about uh, how you know, many were looking for and talking about, we need a simpler way of life. We need a, a better way of life. that The pandemic has caused us to pause. There've been some benefits to that. Is it time to have some common uh, downtime, some common a common day of rest? We've talked about that in our program. And what we're doing now is we're moving into the heart of the book of Revelation mm. to see what it says will be the issues as we approach the end of time in order to understand those issues. So for instance, you and I, we could say, well, let's tell people what the mark of the beast is, right? Mm. We're never going to understand what the mark of the beast is if we don't understand the beast power. And we're never going to understand the beast power unless we learn some principles of biblical interpretation. Otherwise, we could go off on a tangent. And we could be shooting in the breeze. And uh, so what we've done is we've looked at some of the the uh, foundational prophecies of the book of Daniel. So Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7. And that has led us into Revelation 13, and last week we identified a, a major religio political power that's there in the first half of the book of Revelation 13, the first, first half of that chapter. And we're going to look a little bit more at that today, and then we're going to springboard off that into the second major power that is in Revelation 13, which we believe to be the United States of America. We'll demonstrate that through the interpretation of those symbols. But I think people are going to find it fascinating today.
0: So, um, yes, yeah, sit back and enjoy. Grab a pen, grab some paper, like I share. Share with your friends. Um, send a message out. Facebook message them to tune in for After This Music and then After The News. We are going to plunge into this incredible prophecy. So sit back now and uh, listen to Josh White and He Is Able. <laughs>
3: He is able to keep us from stumbling. He is able when distances come between everything that we hold dear. He is able to draw us into deeper life. He is able to cut away like a knife. Everything that keeps us from Him Everything that keeps us from Him Spirit filled our souls to sing He is able He is able to surprise us with an endless love He is able us when the dark descends On everything we have known He is able To save us to the uttermost He is able To fill us with His Holy Ghost May everything we do show Him May everything we do show Him
1: bit of a, a thing going on here right the um the guys they're actually running late so i guess it's 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 me liam here in the studio right
2: now i am um, doing things on my own um so what I, t- I tell you what here's what i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do is we're gonna play another song
1: all right we're gonna we're gonna play oh no hang on here they are here they are right now they're, they've
2: just popped in so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take a seat all right, they're going to take a seat, and uh, we're going to kick off with, uh, with the Bible study. It's going to be great, but it's, I'm glad they're here, because uh, they'll probably do a better job at this than I do,
1: and um, look, and it's okay. These things happen. So, um, gents. I've got, I've got a note.
0: <laughs> gents, over to you guys. All righty. Well, Liam normally comes looking for us, but this time there was no Liam. <laughs> so, anyway, we're here. So um, we are about to move into uh, Revelation 13. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open it to Revelation chapter 13. And we are going to take a look at this incredible prophecy. This uh, chapter is made up of two significant powers. Uh, The first one uh, takes up Revelation 13 verses 1 to 10. And it's referred to as this first beast of Revelation 13. And as we've spoken of before, a beast represents a kingdom in Bible prophecy. And then from verses 11 to 17, we have another power that comes onto the scene of history. A second beast. A second beast. And this beast comes onto, this power comes onto the scene of history. At the end of this initial long reign of this first power, mm-hmm. so Revelation thirteen. Just a little bit of background on those who uh, weren't with us last week, but you can go to our podcast from last week and you can pick that whole um, that whole message up. But the first beast here uh, speaks of the the Roman papacy or or I guess the the Church of Rome during the Dark Ages, uh, during that 1260-year period. And so we have here from verses 1 to 3, which we want to begin reading, and we want to especially zero in on verse 3. So Peter, if you would like to read Revelation 13, verses 1 to 3.
1: All right. I'll do that, Danny. I'm going to add a little bit more of explanation before I do that, if I may. You can. Um, just to say that when we talk about this first beast and the second beast, you know, we're not talking about a monster. We're, we're we're talking about a political power. That is what we've learned from Bible's prophecy, from it allowing the Bible to interpret itself. We've learned that these represent political powers, nations, kingdoms. And so, We identified this first beast um, last week as uh, the Roman papal system. And we did that by virtue of connecting it to Daniel 7. And you'll see here, if you're familiar at all with Daniel 7, you'll notice the comparison here. If you're not familiar, please go back and check out the podcasts that we have talked about before. So here we go. Revelation 13 verses 1, 1, 2 and 3. It says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. That is a kingdom, a power, a nation rising up out of a highly populated area. That's what we found out by looking at the prophetic symbols. It says, Having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast.
0: Okay, thank you, Peter. Here in these first three verses, we have a description of this power. That we have identified, and not just us, but we need to remember that the reformers—this
1: is hundred. This interpretation of
0: this being the uh, papal power uh, is hundreds of years old. A number of individuals, just to give you uh, a sampling of the reformers that identified this first beast in Revelation 13 as the Roman papacy, we have individuals such as John Wycliffe, John Huss, William Tyndale, uh, King James the First. Um, You will discover that in the introduction to the King James Bible, Roger Williams, the famous reformer there in the United States of America that brought about uh, the the principle of religious freedom and um, and so forth. Sir Isaac Newton Mm -hmm. is another one, as well as Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley. So these individuals all identified this first beast as the Roman papacy. Not a bad group. No, quite is. Not to mention the Waldenses also, if you throw them in the mix. Now, this power here is described as ruling and reigning. If you read the rest of the passage there, which we won't take the time to do that this week because we don't have time. We looked at that last week. Rules and reigns for a period of 1260 years, 1260 prophetic days. Or 1260 years. Now a day in Bible prophecy represents a year. We have uh, seven. On seven occasions in Daniel and Revelation. This period mentioned. It's mentioned as 42 months. Here in Revelation. uh, 13 and Revelation 11. In Revelation 12. and, And two times in Daniel 7. It's mentioned as a time times and a half a time. Which is three and a half years and then 1,260 days in Revelation 11 and Revelation 12. So seven occasions we have this period mentioned. And we know from history that in 538 AD, the Roman Emperor Justinian gave the Bishop of Rome religious and political authority in Rome. And that lasted for 1,260 years And on February 15, 1798, Napoleon's general Berthier, he marched into Rome. He took Pope Pius VI captive and he broke the Roman church's political power. And uh, this was was a headline back then. It was a huge headline. And as far as historians were concerned, when they saw this deadly wound, this is what we've just read, and it received a deadly wound. Historians believe that this would be the end of the political reign of the papacy. Yep. It would no longer have that political authority that it had throughout Europe.
1: And this was both yeah, this was both in the old world and the new world, i.e, I- was all, this was understood in um, Europe. You know they, they were saying, could this be the end of the papacy? And they were also seeing this saying this in the United States. So on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, people were recognising this um, taking captive of the Pope. They were recognising in this a prophetic sign, a coming to an end of the 1260 years, and they thought that this was the end of the papacy.
0: They did. I've, got, I've just got one historical statement here to read uh, from the period, and this is from Joseph Rickby, Lectures on the History of Religion, The Modern Papacy, Volume 3, Page 1, and this is what he writes. No wonder that half of Europe thought Napoleon's veto would be obeyed and that with the Pope, the papacy was dead. Okay. And that's in in, in one sentence the, the reality of what was taking place. I mean, the papacy had been losing power mm. um, as that 1260-year period was coming to its end. However, that really did uh, bring about a death, a, a death knell. But the Bible goes on here, and as you read Peter, it says... It received a mortal wound, but his deadly wound was healed. So it would receive a healing of that wound. And then it says this incredible statement, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So this power will not only receive its political authority, once again.
1: There'll be a resurgence. A
0: resurgence of its political authority. But this power would be the one that rules and reigns um, throughout the entire world as far as... The Bible says the whole world would, would follow the would dictates, marvel. marvel and follow the dictates. Yeah. So so this power would set the agenda, if we want to put it in simple, uh, simple English, would set the agenda for the world and the world would follow. Yeah. And so now
1: people might be wondering, and they're probably thinking, well, I thought I was tuning into the United States in Bible prophecy. Um, we are certainly building to that. But it's important that we get these details um, regarding this first beast power out first because it is the identification of that first beast that helps us to have certainty in identifying the second beast. And so um, the time period that it rules and reigns and the time period that it received that deadly wound, this is crucial for us to understand that second beast. So what we're doing here is we're making sure that we understand this first beast and what's happening here in particular in verse uh, 13 verse 3 of Revelation where it talks about this deadly wound being healed and all the world marvelling and following the beast.
0: So there is a power that comes onto the scene of history, and now we're going to move into this second power, the United States of America, and we're going to take a look at some significant events um, that would help in the healing of the wound in just a moment. But what we want to take a look at is this power that comes onto the scene of history at the time, it rises around the time when this... First beast is going into captivity. And this power is the one that gives authority and that gives the power to the Roman papacy. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at that. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to follow along with us. We're going to read in verse 11. So if you want to read, in fact, if you want to pick it up in verse 10, for the context, this is when this first power is going into captivity. And well, then what follows verse 11?
1: Well, hang on, Danny, just before we do that. So we have talked in um, one of our previous presentations about the principles of prophetic interpretation. And so we've um, signaled out a number of different Um, principles so that we can understand prophecy properly. So first of all, there are a lot of signs and symbols used in Bible prophecy. And one of the interpretive tools is that the Bible must interpret itself. Another one we've just mentioned is the day for a year principle when we look at Bible prophecy and the time periods that are used there. Another one is the idea of repeat and enlarge. So Mm. in the first three verses of Revelation 13, you have the story of this um, beast power, it going into captivity, it receiving the deadly wound, the deadly wound is healed. All all that is encompassed in the first three verses. Then from verse 4 through 10, you kind of had a recapitulation of that, Mm. right? Where it repeats, but gives you more details. So there are a lot more details that we're not going to dive into today because we did this last week. But you come all the way down to then 10, and it talks about this power going into captivity, and I think that's
0: where you were headed. Yes. So basically we're looking at three stages of this power. So we have this first stage, which is a reign of 1260 years. The second stage is when this power is dormant. It has received its deadly wound. And then the third stage is when this power is revived, it's resurrected, and the whole world wonders and marvels after this power right so these are the three stages so we want to take a look at that as we go along so in um in verse 11
1: we should read verse 10 i think
0: yeah sorry verse 10 yeah back to verse 10 so if you want to read verse 10 and verse 11 all
1: right you want me to do that
0: actually maybe read verse 10 and then we'll take a look at um what's been happening from 1798
1: sure okay so in verse 10 basically um this is the wrapping up of that Period of time when the papal power was ruling for 1260 uh, years. It says, He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And so um, we've got here the, pap- the papal power had indeed taken many into captivity. And it had killed many with the sword. And so it itself was going to go into captivity, and it was going to be killed with the sword in the sense that, biblically, the sword is the word of God. And the papacy received a deadly wound by that sword because the word of God was revealing to the world. We're we're reading from the word of God today. Hmm. It's revealing to the world. It's unmasking the enemy and its tactics. Uh, in it's its war against God that this is the devil and the, the devil trying to use different instruments different institutions different countries sometimes to try and um, move his agenda on and try to defeat God's plan um, and all the time obviously God's plan is steadily marching forward but here we have he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity he who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword here is the patience and the faith of the saints and so uh, that, that's what we saw in that period of 1,260 years coming to an end in 1798.
0: Okay, folks, so that gives us uh, an overall view on what has taken place um, in the past, and we're going to be moving into where we are right now. After this short break, sit back and enjoy this beautiful song from Christina. Welcome back to Faith FM. Hope you enjoyed that beautiful song, and we are now plunging into Revelation chapter 13. We're going to be reading through from verse 11 to verse 17 um, in the remainder of this program. But we want to we want to begin by taking a look at verse 11 and 12, and then in particular verse 11. We want to unpack uh, this power that is described here in Revelation 13. So. We've read verse 10. Peter, if you're able to read verse 11 and 12, read those two together, and okay. then we're going to unpack them.
1: All right. So we've read in verse 10 about the, um, the first power going into captivity, and then in verse 11 it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast. In his presence and causes the earth and those to dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed.
0: Okay, thank you. Now, we've already shared with you that based on scripture, um, we we see the evidence of this power being none other than the United States of America. Now, you may be thinking, is that something that Peter and I drummed up? How did we get to this place? How did we, did we drum this up during the week? Um just because the United States is in the news each and every day and, um, and it's the center of world attention. No, let me give you, let me give you some historical background um, going back uh, a couple of centuries and more on the United States being seen as this power. Firstly, mm. and you brought this up, I think, last week, Peter, where you shared from John Wesley that John Wesley... I, he, he was speaking of this power coming onto the scene of history v- very soon from his time, because he was saying the, the wound is about to take place. This, um, this first beast power is about to come to an end. And so the new power is about to come onto the scene of history. So do you want to comment on that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, so John Wesley, um, he wrote um, uh, a commentary. Um, he wrote a book, Notes on Revelation. And so he understood the first beast to be the papacy, as we have been talking about. He understood that first beast to be the papacy. And he says in 1754. Now, remember, the papacy went into captivity 1798. That's right. So this is, you know, 40 odd years beforehand. But here it is in 1754. John Wesley wrote, talking of the second beast, he says, he is not yet come. But he cannot be far off for he is to appear at the end of the 42 months of the first beast. John Wesley understood that the first beast power had been around for a long time and it was shortly coming to an end. He knew it must come to an end at some point and he recognized the second beast would appear at the end of the 42 months of the first beast or at the end of 17, you know, at around 1798 when the first beast comes to an end or a temporary end this second beast was going to come up. So even though John Wesley did not know and did not name the power represented by this second beast, he understood that it was on its way.
0: Okay, so we're looking at this power coming onto the scene of history somewhere around 1798. Mm. Now, there's um, three other Bible scholars, Uh, one by the name of Dr. Thomas Goodwin, who uh, wrote in 1680. Another one, Isaac Bacchus, who wrote in 1786. And another one, Judge John Bacon in 1799. Mm. And to sum up what they shared, and you can read about this in um, Leroy Froome's epic on church history, The Prophetic Faith of Our Fathers, Volume 4. And this is a summary. Although they did not name this power as the USA... These three gentlemen, Goodwin, Bacchus and Bacon, connected this power with Protestantism. Furthermore, Bacon suggested that the two horns represented civil and religious power. Okay. Or liberty, I should say civil sure. and religious liberty. Yep. Now there's two other individuals that are significant. Mm-hmm. The first individual that in fact uh, named this power as the United States of America was an individual yep. by the name of John Nevins Andrews. Yes. And he and he made that he made that call in 1851. Yeah. Andrews University is named after him. That's right. So this is this is well and truly before the time that the United States was a superpower as it is today. So back then, its military was nowhere near at the top of the chart like it is today.
1: I remember uh, listening to, uh, yeah, because this is important. So it's one thing for you and I to say, hey, I think this power is the United States. When the United States kind of sits at the top of the tree, it's the most dominant superpower. It's the most dominant militarily and all of that. That's an easy pick. In 2020. A, an easy pick for us to make in 2020, right? But like you said, these people are talking centuries ago. And, you know, they're talking at a time when America was hardly a political power, much less the most dominant one. Um, and, you know, you're thinking about in the uh, late 1800s, you know, you had Custer's Last Stand and you, you there were still wars between... American soldiers and the, the American Indians. So you still had battles going on uh, in in that sphere. So, in other words, on the global political landscape, America was, you know, was was a, a dot on a piece of paper.
0: It was, and there was still, and there's still a war going on at this time. You know, you've still got, you've got your civil war um, about to take place and you've got the, you know, the, the, the there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of turmoil in the United States during those early 1800s. It was a
1: country that was being established; it That's hadn't right. been established.
0: And we're going to look at that as we take a look at the prophecy. But this is important, just so that our listeners can can gain a bit of background as to as to who was saying what at that time. So mm-hmm. another another individual, Ellen White, mm-hmm. uh, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, whom God inspired in a very special way in 1884. She, she named the united states of america as this second power in revelation chapter 13 so let's take a look at some of these identification marks firstly there's a number of them there's probably about half a dozen here the first one is that this power would arise <coughs> excuse me arise at a specific time in earth's history and the reason we know that is because of that first word in verse 11 it says then So we need to ask, when is then? Well, Mm -hmm. the then is based on verse 10. It's related to verse 10. It's related to verse 10 when this first beast is going to captivity. So around 1798. So Mm -hmm. we're looking at a power that would arise around 1798. And uh, we know from history that the United States declared its independence. Those 13 colonies came together and they declared their independence from Great Britain, your homeland, in 1776. July 4th, 1776, we've just had that public holiday, Yeah. Um, they voted through their constitution in 1789, they adopted the Bill of Rights in 1791, and the country was recognized as a nation by 1798, and I understand, I could be wrong on this one Peter, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but that France uh, was one of the first, if not the very first country to recognize that there was a new nation on the map.
1: Yeah, this is this is fascinating for a couple of reasons. So. What's fascinating is you have France, which is the nation that brings an end to the papacy temporarily in 1798 by taking the Pope captive. And it is France who is the first nation to recognise America as an independent nation. As you rightly mentioned, they were gaining their independence from Great Britain, right? Which just happened to be at war in the late 1700s with France. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, uh, I guess... uh, convenient for France to recognise the United States because obviously it had some issues with Britain at the time as well. So it's significant because France, a little while later, is going to play another significant part in the rise of atheism. But that's another story and that's another topic. But that is a very significant um, power at that time that brings a temporary end to the papacy but also recognises, the the first to recognise this nation as an independent nation.
0: Very fascinating. So that first clue is right there in that very first word of Revelation 13, verse 11. The second point here in Revelation 13, 11, it says this beast came up out of the earth. Now, this is interesting because... The beasts in Daniel chapter seven that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, they all come up out of the sea. The first beast in Revelation thirteen, that also comes up out of the sea. And we've discovered based on Revelation seventeen, verse 15, that the sea is a symbol for multitudes multitudes of people, nations, peoples, and tongues and so forth. Lots of people.
1: Yeah, we've mentioned before that you know, sometimes not too much now in the last four months, right? (laughs) Because of the lockdown. But prior to that, when you had a massive group of people. Whether it was a concert or some type of outdoor gathering, and you had lots and lots of people, you know, often you will hear commentary commentators say there is a sea of people, you know, and it's really describing them like uh, many waters, mm. which is what the Bible uses as a symbol too.
0: Exactly, and so this is a very different beast, unlike yeah. the others. Um, it's it's lamb like in its qualities we're going to look at that in just a moment but the one point that we want to take a look at now and zero in is the earth coming up now, out of the earth now do we have anywhere else in revelation a clue to understand what the earth is now obviously the sea is in direct contrast to the earth now is there anywhere else in revelation that helps us understand what this earth may represent that this new kingdom is coming up in.
1: Yeah. So in the, in the very previous chapter, Revelation chapter 12, uh, first of all, let's just look at, at from a purely logical point of view. If many waters represent multitudes of people, as the Bible reveals in the very book of Revelation, if many waters represent multitudes of people, then the earth, the lack of water, shall we say, would logically represent a sparsity of people in comparison. That's right. Right. That, that, that's a logical conclusion to draw. But when you come to Revelation chapter 12, you have an interesting passage, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to pick it up here in um, verse 14. I'll give you a br- brief overview of chapter 12. Chapter 12 is kind of the history of God's people from the beginning to the end, but it picks up on this period of 1,260 years when uh, the, the, the church of God, represented by this woman, would be in the wilderness. It mentions it a couple of times. We've got this repeat and enlarged thing going on. But if you pick up here in verse 14 of Revelation 12, it says, But the woman, that's God's people, that's God's true, genuine people, was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, times and a half a time, from the presence of the serpent. So here we have that time, times and a half a time again, which represents that 1260 year period of papal supremacy. It's picking up language here, actually, of Elijah, mm. where Elijah went into the wilderness for
0: three and a half for years. For
1: literally three and a half years, and God fed his prophet there in the wilderness. Uh, while apostasy was taking place in the kingdom under Ahab and Jezebel. So, you know, it's sort of picking up that kind of imagery. But notice what else it says. Verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of its mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. And here... This is an image, in a way, of the multitudes of people being the flood of water. The woman, the earth, which is a sparsely populated place, and we're saying in Revelation 13 that this is the United States of America. Many people fled Europe, where the papacy was very influential and dominated.
0: The old world. The
1: old world. They fled Europe and got in boats like the Mayflower and came over to the New World to the to what became the united states it wasn't the united states then but they came to america and they settled there because they could have liberty of conscience and liberty to live so it was civil and religious liberty that you've mentioned before as as uh you know the two possible characteristics of those two horns which we'll come to in a minute but the point is the earth helped the woman by swallowing up that great mass of people that that was coming after her. And so uh, there's a symbol here where the earth represents in part the United States that allowed Protestantism to flourish and thrive because of the persecution that was taking place in Europe.
0: Fantastic. That's a really good summary. And um, the next point here is these two horns. Uh, This this lamb-like beast has two horns. And it's interesting, Peter, because it doesn't have any crowns. And right. we know that um, crowns are worn by by kings, by queens, and by popes. Yes. So this would be uh, a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. It without would be, a monarch. Without a monarch. So it would be a republican no. government without a king or without a queen. And it would be founded on Protestantism, which is a church without a pope. So unlike in England, where you've got the Church it's of England. The state church. The state church um, and the Roman Catholic Church the Church of Rome, here you would not have that. So that fulfills these two. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. But sit back now and uh, listen to this beautiful song from Keith and Kristen Getty, Nothing But the Blood. Welcome back to Faith FM and looking up and we are now looking at this power, this second beast power in Revelation 13 that we have identified as the United States of Bible prophecy. And we're taking a look at some of the identification marks. We have discovered that it comes up around 1798, which is when the United States um, came to came to power as a nation. It would um, rise up in a sparsely populated area, which the United States, as it's known as the New World, that's exactly what took place. And we're also taking a look at these two horns now that represent civil and religious liberty. And that is very much, very much in the, in the Constitution as well as the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Uh, it espouses, I mean, the, the, those famous words that... You know, all men are created equal and all are entitled to enjoy and pursue life, liberty and happiness. Yeah. You know, that's something that's been um, espoused a lot, especially lately. Yeah, and in, in this United verse States where America. it says
1: it had two horns like a lamb. So in other words, that that liberty, it's interesting, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. So liberty of conscience and liberty, uh, civil liberty and religious liberty, these are two hallmarks of this nation reflecting the values of Christ, which is the lamb. So when it says it has two horns like a lamb, it's reflecting certain um, elements of the Christian faith. Now, of course, you know, essentially most of the people that formed the United States were Christian people. They they were believed in Christianity as their religion. Uh, Not only that, they believed in Protestantism, right? So in other words, you know, we were talking earlier about how come we see the papal power in Bible prophecy? Well, given the um, impact that the Roman Catholic faith has had, the Roman Catholic Church has had on the history of Christianity, why wouldn't God identify that in Bible prophecy? And likewise, when you consider the role that the United States has played in the establishment of Protestantism in the world and its, its power in regard to that or its influence in the world, why wouldn't that power be reflected
0: in prophecy. That's right. And when it comes to those two principles of civil and religious liberty, Jesus spoke of that in uh, Matthew 22, verse 21. We won't go into the context of those words of Jesus that were trying to trip him up again. Should we pay uh, taxes to Caesar? Yes or no. And Jesus said in Matthew 22, 21. Render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So Jesus recognized these two kingdoms. One, which is the kingdom of this world and that we have an obligation to pay our taxes and to live in harmony with the laws of the land uh, as long as they don't contradict the word of God. And the other one is we have a responsibility. And uh, while God invites us, he doesn't force anyone. And this is where this power uh, seeks to force and coerce, which we're going to get to in a little bit but God invites us to worship Him. Yeah. And so this really also illustrates the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God, which no one has a right um, to tell you how you ought to worship, when you ought to worship. You can't and, mandate them. Exactly. And, um, and, the, and the last six deal with our relationship with one another. Yeah. So we have that right there in the Ten Commandments. So here we go. In this verse,
1: I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. This is a contradiction in terms. This is a real uh complex here because you have, it's like a lamb and Jesus is the lamb in the book of Revelation. That's right. But 29
0: spe- times. But it
1: speaks like a dragon hmm. and the dragon is the devil in the That's book right. of Revelation. According
0: to Revelation 12. So
1: this is the crazy thing that it's going to have this, Beginning and this appearance like a lamb, but then it's going to speak like a dragon, so it and it's really a off,
0: change in character. It starts off lamb-like, it starts off Christ-like, and then it changes and becomes like the devil. And the devil is the one that's into deceiving and coercing. And uh, you read about that in Revelation thirteen as you go along. Um, he deceives and he causes. And those two. Well, let's things- read,
1: Let's pick up verse twelve again. We've read it already. It says he, this is the second power of the United States, he exercises all the authority of the first beast, Rome, in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So this is fascinating because it depicts a time when the first beast's wound has been healed and it depicts a time when the United States will cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship that first beast. Now what's fascinating about that is this, this power whoever it is, has to be big enough and powerful enough and influential enough to be able to cause the earth and those who dwell in it to do something. And so this is not a little bit player somewhere. You know, it's not Australia or, you know, it's not New Zealand or, you know what I mean? It's got to be a major world power, a leading world power.
0: It has to be a superpower. It has to be a superpower. It has to be a superpower to have... To have that much influence and that yeah. much muscle in yeah. the world to cause the entire world. I mean, we're not talking no. about most of the world. Yeah. It says very clearly in the text, causes the whole world. Yeah. And later on it says rich or poor, slave That's or right. free. That's right. Um, so.
1: Yeah. And the important point about that is that we were saying earlier that 200 years ago, 150 years ago, people were identifying this power as the United States when the United States was nothing at all. I mean, it was, you know, barely a dot on the page, and yet they were saying, according to Bible prophecy, this is going to according be... According to
0: the identification mark, Correct. this is the power.
1: And that, that has been borne out in history and so it's far. Interest,
0: and it's interesting, when we take a look at the United States, let's just take a look at its influence. Um, I believe that it's the indisputable leader when it comes to economics, and we know that full well when Wall Street... When Wall Street sneezes, as the saying goes, the rest of the world catches a cold. So we've got, it's the economic superpower. It's the political superpower in the world. No doubt about that. It is the, it is the social um, world superpower. I mean, you, you think of Hollywood. Um, you think of, you know, you think of Facebook and Google, um, Apple, you know, they all live in the United States of yeah. America. Yeah. and um, and finally I mean and there's so much more and and the main one is the military yeah I mean it's the military superpower I I went on I went online and just took a look at how much the United States of America spends on military each year compared to you know the other big the nations. other big players and uh, and I discovered that the United States uh, spends uh, more money on on political arms than the next 10 countries combined yeah did you get that Peter? i I did i'm looking at a graph right here from (laughs) this is from 2018 so it spends more than china
1: yeah
0: it spends more than china germany um india russia saudi arabia france the uk japan south korea and brazil combined yeah so it is the, it is the, the big political superpower. Yeah, without a
1: doubt. Even talking about, uh, before, you know, you were talking, Danny, about the various elements of influence that the United States have. I, I put down here culturally. You mm. mentioned television and Hollywood. Obviously, uh, a lot of music, popular music, comes out of the United States. But I was thinking about fashion, too. You know, most people wear blue jeans. Right Where did they come from? They came originally from the United States, probably come from Malaysia or Indonesia now or something <laughs> right, but they that the, the, the design of denims obviously came from the United States originally. You know, I wonder how many people listening today, Danny, have ever played baseball, Probably not many, but I wonder how many of them have a baseball cap
0: mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I haven't you know, thought about that. That's true. About the baseball cap. It's, that's where it comes from.
1: It's a, it's a US fashion item and, and it's just spread to the world. So uh, there is, uh, you know, you think of the fast food McDonald's, Hungry Jacks, KFC, Subway, Pizza Hut, you know.
0: All come from the, the United Domino's, States.
1: you know. They all come from the United States. So we don't eat the internet, right? Yeah, that's you, true. You know, Google, um, Microsoft, um, Apple. Uh, You know, all of this, a lot of the things we take for granted that are part of our cultural fabric Today have I've massively been influenced in the United States. Not to
0: mention democracy. I yeah. mean, you know, we yeah France has a big part to play in, in that as well. But I think as far as um, extending democracy to the rest of the world, the United States really uh, ha- has led people the way. Look, it was an experiment. Yeah. It was an experience led the way. Now let's take a look, Peter, as we take a look at. This this fascinating this fascinating turnaround, and you mentioned it, where this lamb-like beast, this Christ-like power, that begins by offering political and religious freedom to all those that would come, and the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor is exhibited by France. Donated by France, indeed. Um, you have this power in verse eleven. It says it will speak like a dragon. Now we, according to Revelation twelve. And verse and verse nine, it says that the great dragon, it's that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So the Bible identifies the dragon as the serpent and Satan. Now, how does a nation speak? If this is the United States, how does a nation speak? It speaks. Well, it speaks through its laws. It, it, how does a nation
1: say anything? It says says things by the way that it governs the nation, and it governs that nation by the laws that it creates. So if you go overseas, you go to another country, you are duty-bound by the laws of that country. Um, And the laws of any country tell you something about that culture. You know, there are laws being changed in our country um, at the moment that are are changing the culture, uh, you know, gradually from what it once was. And so when you make new laws, you um, are speaking... The values of your cult- of your country. Mm.
0: So that's how a nation speaks through its laws and legislative body. Now, let's discover how, because the dragon's the one behind all this, and it's the devil. here's the here's the key player uh, behind these powers that are seeking to take over, the worship that belongs to God and God alone. Because we've, we've talked about this in the past, but let's not forget that the central theme in the book of Revelation in all of Scripture is worship and allegiance. Who will you give your worship and allegiance to? At the beginning of time, um, all of heaven gave their worship willingly to God, their creator. But then the devil came along. Well, Satan, well, who became Satan, he was Lucifer to begin with, and he desired worship, worship and and ever since then, this great controversy between good and evil has been waged over the war of worship. Isn't Isn't
1: that interesting too? So Jesus comes in person to planet Earth and dies for the sins of the world, and he sets up his church, that is to be a reflection of his character, and then the dragon comes along and he sets up his church, which is a reflection of his character.
0: Mm, that's right.
1: He, that he wants worship to be drawn to himself, whereas the church is to draw people to worship Jesus.
0: That's right. Very interesting. And so we have the Christ dragon. Christ and Antichrist. Exactly. And at the beginning of Revelation 13, and we looked at this last week, it's the dragon, Satan, who receives worship through this power. Yes. Through this first beast. Yeah. So this first beast very is, is simply, I guess, a puppet, you could say, mm. um, the front man for this power.
1: There's a, a, something I just noticed here, Danny, and we have talked about this principle before, and I see here again, of repeat and enlarge. If you think about verses 11 and 12, that is slaying out the second beast, the United States. It would co- exercise all the authority of the first beast, cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wo- wound was healed. Finished then you have a repeat and enlargement of that in the next few verses. That's right. Essentially.
0: And we do. And, and let's go there. If you could read that in the time that we have before we go to our next break. If you could read from verse 13 all the way through to verse 17.
1: Yeah, okay. So Revelation 13, verse 13. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the beast, a mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his
0: name. Well, thank you so much for that. There's a lot in there. After the news, we're going to unpack some of that, especially as it relates to our day and what it means. When it speaks of the image of the beast in particular. But here we want to notice that the enemy uses his two favorite weapons, deception and coercion. He brings fire down from heaven, signs and miracles and wonders and coercion. He causes three yep. times that word yep. is used. So there's going to be deception and coercion at the end of time. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, this is something that is incredible to to even think about Mm. of what the devil has in store right at the end of time Mm. so sit back folk we're going to go to a, a longish break we're going to listen to the news and some music and after that we're going to come back and we're going to take a look at what is happening right now Welcome back to Faith FM. My name is Danny Malenkov and I'm here with Peter Watts and we are going through Revelation chapter 13. We're looking at this second power in Revelation 13 that we have identified according to the identifications or identification marks of scripture as the United States of Bible prophecy. And we have discovered that this power would start off espousing the principles of Jesus Christ, which are... Religious freedom and civil freedom, which are the two basic pillars of the Ten Commandments. And then this power would seek to become like the devil and espouse the dragon or the devil's principles, which are deception and coercion. Now, you may be thinking, um, how on earth can we be certain that this indeed is the case? It's because Revelation chapter 13 here makes it very clear. And I want to read verse 12 again. It says, And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship this first beast. And so this is something that is going to take place because the Bible said that it would. This happened during the time of Jesus where the political and the religious establishment came together and persecuted Christ. That's exactly what the Bible tells us. And so this will once again happen at the end of time. Now, Peter, as we've been looking through these identification marks, now we're at a point where we need to see, has this been coming to pass? Has the wound been, you know, is there a healing of the wound? Since 1798, exactly. Where are we up to? So um, uh, there's there's some very interesting historical um, information that we want to tap into, um, based on based on what's happened. I guess probably in the last 100 years, in particular. In 1929, in 1929, there was a very significant a very significant event that took place where the Church of Rome received its power and authority once again to be able to rule and reign as a nation there in rome yeah. that's right because before 1929 for a period of of about 50 or 60 or 60 years almost it didn't have any political authority in case you don't know your history just a just just a quick um, a quick note that between about 754 AD to 1870 the church of rome owned property and not only did it own property but it, it had it had authority sure. there in um in rome, or there in italy i yes. should say yep. in italy and then in 1870 that political authority was completely stripped From the church of rome and the church of rome protested by the pope staying in the vatican Mm. he did not move out of the vatican and there was a whole bunch of things he had a city yeah he did yeah he was very much in isolation for those six decades and so since then there have been some major developments so that's back in 1929 yeah almost 100 years ago and in 1929 the papacy received its uh, political power in that the Vatican state which is called the Vatican state today about 100 and, 108.7 acres to be exact now is under the under the rule of the Vatican so that was back then what's been happening since then has the papacy been ascending in power and what's the united states got to do with all that
1: well, yeah, I think, um, so you've got, you've got this deal made between uh, Mussolini and the Pope to restore the papal states back there in 20, 1929. It's the beginning of the healing of the wound. And then you have this growing, uh, the growing of the, the papacy back into a dominant political power. So in that period of, of time, it might have been functioning as a church, a church power, but this is a political power. We have said before, the beast represents a political or a, it's a, a kingdom, a nation, or a political power. And what's interesting is, as the papacy has been growing back into influence and power, so too has the relationship between the United States and the Vatican been growing closer together That's too. Right. Because America, typically as a Protestant power... Uh, would would distance itself from the papal power because of its Protestantism. But what we find is a thawing of that relationship. So, for instance, back in 1963, you have John F. Kennedy uh, meeting with Pope Paul VI. Now, of course, John F. Kennedy was a Roman Catholic, um, which was interesting because it was the first time a Roman Catholic had been appointed to the role of president of the United States. And what it indicates is a thawing in the relationship between Protestants and Roman Catholics in order for them to vote into power someone who was Roman Catholic. Then, of course, you come to the time of Ronald Reagan. And prior to the time of Ronald Reagan, the United States had never had an ambassador to the Vatican. So countries, our country, many other countries, we we, we send and exchange... Ambassadors. We have ambassadors from this country that go to various other countries and we receive ambassadors to this country from those countries. Right. So um, but under Ronald Reagan, there was the first appointed ambassador to the Vatican. Think about this. An ambassador from a Protestant country to the Catholic Church you know, that's effectively what it is. And so that was the first time the United States had an ambassador to the Vatican under Ronald Reagan. And of course, that has persisted ever since. Um, Furthermore, you had significant meetings between Ronald Reagan and Pope John Paul II in 1982. There were two of them, one in uh, the Vatican and one in Miami, Florida, that started to build a closer bond between these two countries. This was reflected in 1992, in a Time magazine cover called Holy Alliance, mm-hmm. and it says how Reagan and the Pope conspired to assist Poland's solidarity movement and hasten the demise of communism. So, this is Time magazine's front cover in February 1992, indicating this holy alliance. Now, biblically, if we're what's crazy about this is that here we have these two powers working together politically. Mm for a common goal, which was the demise of communism, right? Now, what's fascinating, when you look at the book of Revelation, you have this unholy alliance between these two great powers that is ultimately going to cause the world to worship a certain way. Now, when we talk about the healing of the deadly wound of the papacy, what's interesting about verse 3 of Revelation 13, it says it doesn't say, and all the Catholics marvelled and followed the beast. It doesn't say all the Christians marvelled and followed the beast. It doesn't say all the religious people marvelled and followed the beast. It says all the world. Mm -hmm. And that's significant because when we look at the popularity of the papacy today... So Pope uh, Pope Francis came to uh, the office of the papacy in 2013 and I think he came into power in April of that year... And by December, he had been named on the front cover of Time magazine their person of the year for that year. That's right. Now, this is, Time magazine is an American news magazine. It's not a religious magazine per se, but they name him as the person of the year. In 2013, you also have a magazine called The Advocate, which is an LGBT magazine in America. And it calls Pope Francis their person of the year in 2013.
0: Because of a famous statement that he made. Because of a
1: famous statement. He says, if someone is gay and seeks the Lord with goodwill, who am I to judge? Mm. And so they really love that. And they named him as their person of the year. Fascinating. Like I said, not just Catholics, not Christian people, not just religious people. This is the LGBT community embracing Pope Francis. Then you have Pope Francis on the front cover of Rolling Stone magazine. (laughs) Now, this has got to be like, I don't think the Pope has ever been on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine before, but Rolling Stone magazine is a pop culture magazine, right? It's about pop culture, and it says, Pope Francis, the times, they are a-changing. And if ever there was a true headline, that one is it, right? So you've got... And then another one um, here is, as we've mentioned before, in 2015, Pope Francis put out an encyclical about the environment and i have a uh, news article here from the sunday telegraph an australian newspaper that says um a warmest trick sees lefties worship pope mm. and i thought that is a fascinating headline because they don't know what they're writing but they the bible says the deadly wound would be healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast mm. and they worship the beast the bible says so fascinating stuff we see that the uh, you know that the, the papacy has risen and grown in its influence, and uh, so too this relationship between the papacy and the U.S.
0: And I want to and I want to take a look at that because I, I was fascinated to take a a bit of a look at what has been the relationship between the papacy and the United States um, from their very first meeting till today. And so I went to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and there you have. All of the meetings between the Pope and the President all the way from the very first one in 1919 all the way to you know today 2020 and we have basically had 30 30 occasions when both Pope and President have come together and it's interesting between 1919 and 1950 so that's over 30 years there was only one meeting between the two okay okay Um, only one meeting from 51 to 75, in the next 25 years, there were seven meetings. In the next 25 years, up to the year 2000, we had 13 meetings. And in the last 20 years, we've had 10 meetings. Now, some of the, some of the key contributors, you have George Bush Jr. He met six times and he gave the, the Pope the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Clinton, four times. Obama three times, and Donald Trump, he's only met him once. They've so only far. Had one. So far. So far. And um, so you, you can see this coming together, and, um, and people may be thinking, what on earth is the big deal? What's the big deal about this? Mm. Well, if you know your history, you'll discover that, as we have pointed out, because of where the Protestants came from, to settle in the United States of America, there was a lot of animosity um, and a lot of fear towards Catholicism yeah. in the United States of America. Because it
1: had enforced worship That's in exactly the That's exactly right.
0: It had forced and caused worship. For hundreds of years. Exactly right. And so people were fleeing from that. And so if you would have told someone 200 years ago in the United States that there would come a time when presidents and popes would come together, when the when the pope would address a joint House of Congress, which yeah, happened under Obama in 2015, Obana, yeah, in 2015 where, where where the Pope would spend six days in the United States of America where he would be flocked by thousands and thousands of people and there'd be all this, where there'd be a birthday party for Benedict yeah. uh, hosted by George Bush Jr. Um, in his honour. If you would have said that 200 years ago you would have been laughed out of town. Sure. There was just no way that was on the radar.
1: It goes to show you how swiftly and how dramatically the landscape has changed in this regard. And uh, another aspect of this, Danny, is in 2019 there was a photograph taken of the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, this is the highest court in the land of the U.S. And uh, there are nine Supreme Court justices Mm -hmm. on that court. And... uh, six of them are roman catholic three of them are jews there's not a protestant on the supreme court and that's incredible for a protestant nation it is and so it's very interesting just just that's one aspect of the influence that roman catholicism now has in the states that it never it never used to have
0: and it's interesting because you know we've we've made note over and over again that the whole world will follow um, the dictates that will be put out by the Church of Rome. And we're yet to see how that will all be fulfilled. But that includes the United States of America. And it's interesting, when Pope John Paul II passed away, uh, the United States were given five seats at his funeral, and they sent three presidents, (laughs) three presidents including the sitting president at the time, um, which was George Bush Jr., Along with his wife and Condoleezza Rice. And this was on the front cover of the Herald Sun, our newspaper here. And there was also another front cover on the Daily Telegraph. This is back on April 8, 2005. And this was just phenomenal to see these three presidents and these two women kneeling. They were kneeling for about five minutes. At at the I guess in front of the body of the in pope. front of the body of the pope, yeah. and um, that was unprecedented. That had never before happened um, in all of human history. But that just shows how the times are changing and how this uh, you know this union that seemed impossible at one point in time uh, has 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 been coming together more and more.
1: Back in 2015, when the pope went to the United States and. Addressed that joint sitting of the House of Congress uh, in the United States. The Time magazine cover for that event uh, had a picture of the Pope, Pope Francis, on the cover, and it says "The New Roman Empire," mm. uh, which, which is a dramatic title in itself. And then it says "The Global Reach of Pope Francis." So we're seeing we're seeing Revelation chapter thirteen grow in its fulfilment uh, year by year. Slowly but surely, we're seeing that what is depicted there in not only the rise of the United States, but also the the resurgence of the papacy, we're seeing that come together, okay? And what's fascinating now, people are wondering, well, what does this have to do with the pandemic? We are seeing in the news today situations where the government is... Imposing strict laws on movement, strict laws on what we can, what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. We've seen this this year, right? And people will say, well, yes, of course, because there's a pandemic on, right? And nobody's denying that, right? Not at all. But what we are saying is, look how swiftly world conditions can change, Mm. look how swiftly laws can be enacted that affect people, that affect people in places of worship. You and I, Danny, we are familiar with taking care of churches and places of worship were shut down, Mm. right? There are restrictions on what we can and can't do in places of worship right now. Um, Not only places of worship, of course, lots of other places, but what I'm saying is look how quickly the law has changed, look how quickly society has changed, look how quickly people have been willing to comply with what is necessary in a
0: state of emergency. Mm. Yes, the times are changing and um, when when, when times become difficult, things that seemed unconceivable, impossible. impossible, become very much possible and reality. Now we are pretty much almost out of time. I would like to just go to our giveaway. Our giveaway for this week is The Great Controversy, a book that unpacks what we've been talking about in even more detail. And if you're interested in getting uh, your, your hold of this book for free, we're giving it away today call 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text in the first person, 0491-064-669, 0491-064-669, So get to it right away and we will be sending you the great controversy right away now. Peter, there's just so much um, that we have unpacked. There's so much more that we need to look at. There's the image of the beast. We haven't mm. really had an opportunity to do that. What, what all that means? We'll the mark to come of back the next beast. Week, I guess <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to be back next week. So next week, folk, don't go away. Tell your friends. Next week, we're going to continue this journey that we've started today. There's so much more to unpack, maybe and um, make sure you join us for that.
1: Maybe we could talk next week about the image, the mark, and the number.
0: Yes, that would be a really That'd good.
1: Good threesome, wouldn't it? The, the image, the mark, and the number.
0: Okay, so write that down. Make note of that. And that is for next week. So we've had a really wonderful time with you folk. Um, I hope and pray that you have been really blessed as we have spent time in the book of Revelation once again. And let's never forget... The very center piece of the book of Revelation is not, is not the beasts, but it's Jesus Christ. And um, Jesus Christ is the very center, the very heart of the book of Revelation. He is the one that we want to worship. He is the one that we want to give our allegiance to. And so wherever you are, my friends, keep looking up, keep looking to Jesus and put your faith and trust in Him because we are almost home. God bless and bye for now.